Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. It is episode 146. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here again. We're going to be talking about something different than the Gospel of John today. We're going to be talking about stopping planting churches in cities. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. I ask for wisdom and direction as I talk about this. I thank you for faithful brothers that are planting and pastoring churches in cities who are doing the good work. But as we look at some of these problems and issues, Lord, I pray that we would reclaim former glory by reclaiming work that your people have done over the decades in these urban centers. And instead of sending so much money to start new works, that we would, that we would, be, that we would be able to reclaim former glory. I just ask for that. I pray for wisdom in this conversation. Help me to, to speak with grace and maybe even a little nuance here to be able to be helpful to those who are listening in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, first I want to make a point of clarification. Like I said in my prayer, there are some very good churches in cities that are doing some very good work. Okay, I'm not saying immediately pull all your funding from those churches that have just been planted and that are doing good work. However, I am going to ask you and push you to reconsider why we're planting churches in cities. Okay, now point two. Let's think about church planting over the last 40 years or so. It is unquestionable that there's been a huge urban church planting push. When I was in college, I remember reading books about urban ministry, God loves the city, planting churches in cities, all this stuff about urban centers. And at the same time that I was in college, it was on the front end of the popularity of Mark Driscoll and Tim Keller really had come into the forefront talking about contextualization and reaching the city and culture flows downstream and all that kind of conversation. It was just huge. I mean, everything was about the city. It was planting in the Northwest and where the unreached areas in this nation and that's where we need to plant churches. And so we're going to send a lot of people there. We're going to send dollars there. And back then it was actually like parachute plants where one family would get really excited about the city that was unreached. You'd go and just drop that family off and then you would send a lot of funding and pray. And there was a lot of good work that was done. But the the whole emphasis, and I think everybody you know, who's generally my age or knows anything about recent church history knows that this is true. There's just been a, f- a huge push towards urban planting. Now, a lot of this was because of the white flight that happened in a lot of the 60s within urban centers throughout our country where suburbia exploded and the cities were kind of depleted. You had things happening like in Detroit where the city is now way less than half of the population it used to be. Same thing happened in St. Louis, Missouri. There's ghost areas in those towns and St. Louis is right up the road for me. I love St. Louis. But it's a ghost town in massive parts of the city. And so you have this huge suburbia and urban sprawl that moved out from the city center. And then the whole push was, instead of abandoning the city, which, which is represented in huge church buildings that are largely empty in urban centers all over the country, let's reclaim the cities for the glory of God and let's get on mission and, and be back out there in the city. Okay, so that, that, that was the huge push. And we should all be on the same page at this point. So now point three, what's the problem with that? What's been the problem with planting churches in cities? Okay, well, there's been several different problems, and as we analyze over the last 30 years what's been going on, I think that you know, if you're reasonable and thinking through this with me, I think you'll see, okay, there, there really is a point. I may not fully agree, but I see where he's coming from, okay? So let's just consider this. Cities are winning when it comes to evangelization of our churches. Churches are not winning when it comes to evangelization and being on mission in the cities. Now, I'm not talking about each and every church. But what I am talking about and wanting you to consider really is who is influencing who. As we have planted all these churches, as we have sent millions of dollars and maybe even to the billions at this point to urban centers all throughout this country, 
Who's winning? Are the churches being changed or is the city being changed? And I think it's very important that we answer that question because how we answer that question is going to determine the strategy that we as individual churches, we as men, as pastors, are going to employ when we think about the city or we think about the possibilities of of doing work in cities or if you're pastoring already in a city, what you're going to do moving forward. So is the city making more of an influence on the church or is the church making more of an influence on the city? Now, here's my argument. This is the the big argument. I, I think that the cities are destroying our churches. I think that the cities are having way more influence. This is broad stroke, I realize, okay? Because if you're a faithful pastor and you're doing great work in your city, okay, gotcha. But broad strokes, go with me. I think what we see clearly is that cities are just eating our churches for lunch. One example of that is the recent election in 2020. Now, when I say this, the immediate caricature that's going to come is, well, you say that all these people voting Democrat are, are wrong and all these churches and Christians that are fighting to vote Democrat are wrong. And what do you mean? We should all be voting Republican. We all should have voted for Trump. Okay, that is such a straw man. No, that's not what I'm immediately saying. Okay, I'm not saying that we all got to be Republican. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that people who vote Democrat are revealing not only what's going on in their heart, but they're also revealing their worldview. If you vote a Democrat in the 2020 election and you claim to be a Christian, there is massive inconsistencies there. Just massive. Just two things. If you believe the Bible, you believe that abortion is murder, always. That's just simple, that we should be pro-life. And, you know, even the, the progressive Christians are, you know, no, no, we're pro-life womb to tomb. Yeah, duh. That's why people who are pro-life are fighting for the lives of people who are alive, probably more than you are. Probably more than the one that's crying out that we should be loving people womb to tomb. Okay, People who work in the abor- abortion industry to end abortion are people who are fighting for the lives of women and children all across the board. So if you vote Democrat, you're voting for murder. Because you can't be in the Democratic Party at this point in 2021 and be pro-life. That's just non-existent anymore. Now second, if you believe in the biblical definition of marriage, then just those two points will make you a far crazy right-winger. That's how you'll be labeled. So you're, you're not in the Democratic Party. So if you voted Democrat, for whatever reason, the various reasons you, you may have voted or convinced yourself that that was okay, you're voting for an anti-God agenda. You do not have a biblical worldview. That's just It's just clear. It doesn't mean you have to be Republican. It doesn't mean you have to vote Trump to say it again. But it does mean you do not have a biblical worldview. Now, when we look at election analysis from 2020, what you'll find, and this is just one article, you can look this up or look up any articles for that matter. Uh, there was a publication that I'm looking at brookings.edu. Just I, I was just doing some random Google search this morning and they published a book last year uh, or a couple years ago, let's see here, in 2016, after some analysis in 2016, they published a book called Blue Metro's Red States, The Shifting Urban-Rural Divide in America's Swing States. Now, this is representative everywhere. Urban centers throughout this country are, are Democrat. There are very few exceptions to that. The urban centers are voting Democrat. In fact, they determined much of this last election, and it's swinging for Joe Biden. You had the evangelicals for Biden nonsense kind of stuff that was happening. But largely, all across the country, we're seeing cities are more and more blue, and rural areas, regular states, just the average American, is more and more conservative. And so what you're seeing is cities dominating a political landscape And they're the ones that are voting for Democrat. But those are the same cities that over the last 40 years are supposedly becoming transformed by the power of the gospel. And you see this massive disconnect. We're sending money into cities that are blue to plant churches there. And here's what's happening. Our churches are becoming like those cities. They're at least becoming more sympathetic to the cities. And they're turning their nose up to those average, just regular Christians that are their brothers and sisters. And they care more about loving their city than they do loving their brothers and sisters. Again, I'm speaking in broad strokes here. 
But I, I really want you to hear this because this is crucial. This is so important for where we're at right now as a church and for your strategies moving forward on how you're going to plant churches or where you're going to spend money or who you're going to invest in. If you look at the city-rural divide, you see that same sort of divide within big evangelicalism. So they're the city, big Eva, think city, and the regular average American Christian. You see the same sort of chasm, the same sort of divide. And what you simply see is churches that are becoming more and more progressive in the cities that they say they're trying to change. And it's, I think, a big waste of money. Now, the other problem with planting in cities, this is a massive problem in Illinois, is the sheer cost that's required to plant a church in a place like Chicago. If you're going to plant a church in Chicago, it's going to be maybe decades before you can actually own space in that city. And if you just run the numbers, you could be a church of 300 people and still still be meeting in a hotel somewhere or somebody else's space and still not have the money to own space because it's so expensive. So as a church, you get a very large task of becoming a multi-generational church that's not just there for five years or 10 years, but actually is a church that lasts in the city because of the sheer cost that's required to live there. And the other problem that's there is just asking, is it wise to send a pastor who's going to have to go into a city and buy a home that's going to require him to pay massive property taxes every single year, and it's going to be very difficult for him to build a multi-generational family with owned space in that city for the long haul. Is that wisdom? And these are questions that I'm thinking through. As you look at all the stuff that I'm talking about in the city and the problems of planting in the city and the difficult the difficulties of multi-generational planting within the church and even just the pastor and his family, think about the possible alternatives, okay? I think there is a solution to this. And I think there is a way that, that cities can still be reached, but it not happen through church planting. Because if we just stop church planting as a whole, like stop planting churches in cities across the United States, stop sending your money, stop raising up pastors to go there, and start new works, and just stop, and just stopped to consider what is already in the city. And what's already in the city are churches that are dying because they've been progressive for the last 50 years and because their people moved away out of the city over the last 50 years. But they have owned space. What if, and if you remember, if you remember an episode that I did with J.E. Myers or Mayers about, uh, I don't know, three or four months ago, go check that out. One of the things that he had talked about is pulling a blue tactic in traditional churches that have owned space. What that means is move into the city, become a member of a church that may be a little left progressive or small and dying, and do the work to build that up and take over that church. Take over that owned space and do so for the glory of God and for the good of that city. There's already owned space there that God's people have paid for over the years that can be utilized. So what if instead of sending a new planter into the city, we raised up a pastor and did our best to try to get these pastors hired at these churches that already have that own space. Because let's just say if you plant a church and it takes 30 years to get your own space or own building, and you've got to be a church of 600 people with a budget of $1.3 million to actually have own square footage in the city. And we, we saw over the last couple of years how important own space is for churches. Because if you're renting a place and COVID comes and they say, you can't meet here. I've got a friend of mine, Chris, who's up in up near Chicago, and he had to go and their church had to go into Wisconsin to gather during COVID because there was no place to meet in northern Illinois. There's no, nobody that was allowing them to gather there because of COVID. So if you don't have your own space, you, you can't make those decisions. But if we can capitalize on all that God has done in the past and raise up pastors and just stop planting churches and go take over the square footage that's already there, that's already paid for, that God has already provided for us, 
then I think we could see a real great work in the city. And I think we can actually see multi-generational faithfulness and capitalize on all the work that's been done in the past and then see that work go forward. But it's going to take a lot of work and it's not as cool as church planting. And it's going to require pastors who want to do that kind of work rather than just go and get a bunch of money. I'm talking like, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to go plant a church. But I think there's a lot more wisdom in it. Just ask, what is wise? Is it wise to keep sending money to churches and to keep planting churches in cities that have not been transformed over the last 40 years? And instead, we've seen that the churches in those cities have been transformed more and more liberal over the last 40 years. Is it wise to keep doing that same thing? Or should we just stop doing that altogether? Just quit it. Just stop that and pump our money into churches that already exist and sending pastors, raising up pastors, to go and shepherd churches that already exist and then take over those churches again for the glory of God and for the good of the city. Guys, I hope this has been helpful food for thought. Let me know what you think. And then if you would, go ahead and subscribe, uh, share, go ahead and uh, leave a rating and review on iTunes. That would be a huge help. And, and we'll be back on Thursday with an interview. I hope you guys have a great first part of your week.